Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church, and today we are finishing a six-part series in what we've called Heroes. And I'm a firm believer that today, in today's world, the world needs more heroes. Can you say a good amen this morning? And really, that's what this series is a reminder of, that the world needs more heroes. And I believe God would have us to be a hero to people in our lives today. Maybe your family, maybe it's people at work, or maybe people that you don't even know yet. You know, you may know, you may never know when God may put you in a very important moment in the history of someone's life to make a difference. You never know. And I'm believing that this series will also remind us of something. And I think it's something we need to think about, that you and I today, that we are writing the history of our own lives. You know, I've done so many funerals as a pastor, and I've met with families, and I always ask the family, hey, what do you want this funeral to be about? What are we going to celebrate? We're going to celebrate their life. And what are we going to say about them? And families will say they were the most generous person. They will say we love them. And then I've been to other ones where there's not really anything to say about that person because they really didn't do. And it's, it's, it's sad. You have to kind of like make it exciting. But you know, I want to remind you today that don't wait till your funeral when people are talking about you. Do something today because we're literally writing our own history. And I believe that history is going to be kind to you because by God's grace you're going to write it. You're going to write it. And that's what this series is about. And today we're going to look at Abraham, the father of our faith. The Bible says that he was called the father of faith and also called the friend of God. In this series, we've looked through a couple of different people. Joseph, we looked at Esther. Last week, we looked at Rebecca. And I just got to encourage you, uh, if you have not heard any of these series uh, and messages in these series, please go to passionlifechurch.com. They're free and just download them. I had a person tell me this week, this has been their favorite series at Passion Life Church. I mean, that just so encouraged me. So I, especially last week, everybody just loved last week's message. And so I'm just telling you that not to boast, but but just to say, hey, it's good that people are enjoying it. And if it's free, just go there and, and get it. And so we're going to look at Abraham today. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to look at Abraham. And I want to remind us today that as we look at these heroes, these people were not aliens from another planet. These people were human beings. These people were ordinary people, lived ordinary lives, especially today with Abraham. He had his ups and downs. Anybody have their ups and downs? Can I see your hand in the air? Come on. Don't make me stand up here with my hand by myself because then you'd be lying. How many of you have your ups and downs? Sometimes life is just that way. Sometimes our feelings are just that way. We wake up and, ah, and it could be an incredible day. But you know, Abraham has his ups and his downs. He's gonna make some incredible mistakes. But I believe today's message is gonna bless you. In this series, we've been taking a person every Sunday and we've been saying each person has a life principle. Today, Abraham's life principle would be have faith in God. 
That's what his life message would be. We have been taking these life principles and applying them to our life. Why? Because if they have principles and truths that these heroes lived on, then if I can take those truths, then I can get the same fruit that they got. And so we're going to look at five truths about faith today and having faith in God. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Have you found it yet? Let's read. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will be, and you will be a blessing. That's where we get this whole scripture of God will bless us to be a blessing. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will, listen to this, will be blessed through you, Abraham. Wow, that's amazing. So Abraham went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. What an amazing statement. God, when we meet Abraham in this passage, he's 75 years old. He's just a little baby. You know, at this point, 75 years old, Abraham would live till he was 175 years old. So he's, he's, just, he's just a teenager. But you know what? God established his covenant with Abraham. And God was saying, listen, Abraham, I'm not only going to make you a great nations, but all the nations are going to be blessed through you. Now, here's what Abraham would say about faith. Let me give you five truths about faith. And number one, Abraham would say, having faith will take you beyond what's familiar in your life. God wanted Abraham to go to a new country, meet new people, get out from his father's house to go to a new land. Get out from where you are, Abraham. And I want you to go to a new land. Now, you need to understand where Abraham was living at the time was where we would call modern-day Iraq. It was a place where the Euphrates River would dump their water. It would be a fertile land. There was springs there, rivers there, very good for shepherd life because there was a lot of grass. Man, Abraham lived outside of the city. And yet God told him, I want you to get out and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. It would be like today God saying to you, I want you to get out on the 15 and uh, when you get out on the 15, start going 15 north, right? And I will tell you where to go. Okay, God, I have a GPS. Just give me the coordinates. I will punch. No, get out on the 15 and I'm going to show you where to go. But God was saying to Abraham, look, I have something new for your life. I want to expand your life. I have something much better. But Abraham, it's going to involve some risk. Will everybody say that with me? Say risk. That's how I spell faith. R-I-S-K. Faith is all about risk, leaving your comfort zone. And God said, look, I have another place for you. I have another place I want you to go. I want to expand your family. And you know what? He says, not only will I bless those who bless you, I'm going to curse those who curse you. In other words, God was saying, look, Abraham, 
I got your back and don't even worry about your enemies because I'll take care of them. Man, what an incredible promise. But here's what I want to ask us today. Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to live outside your comfort zone for just a little bit? Well, Pastor Phil, why would God want Abraham to leave his good life? Well, God wanted to take him out of his good life so he could give him something better. I think one of the things that we have to understand about God is God's mathematics are very different than our mathematics. It's just very, very different. It seems like, I want you to hear this, it seems like God subtracts to multiply. It seems like God subtracts to multiply. It would seem that Jesus would subtract a little boy's lunch, right? That's all he has is his little lunch, that he would subtract a little boy's munch, lunch and multiply it and feed 5,000 women and children plus men and have 12 bushels left over. It would seem that God would subtract to multiply. I just think about that little boy. I think if CNN or Fox News was there and their cameras were there, Jesus takes lunch from little boy. And the little boy's like, hey, man, those are my Twinkies. Jesus, Jesus took my Twinkies, man. Listen, Jesus didn't take your Twinkies. It seems like it's subtracting. But how many of you know he's not going to be mad about his Twinkies when he's got 12 basketfuls that Jesus took that little lunch because it seems like he subtracts. To multiply. And what God will do is he'll say, give me this because I have something better. How many of you know you can only hold so much? You can only have the capacity to hold so much. And here we are holding on to our little bit. This is my land. This is, and God says, look, I want to take you to a place you've never seen, you've never been, but are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to get outside of your comfort zone? Because really, Real life is right outside of your comfort zone. Jesus says, give me your life. I will give you back my life, which is way better than you can even imagine. But here we are. It's my life, right? We're singing like Bon Jovi. It's my life. And God's like, okay, you can have your little life, but you know what? If you'll give me your little life, I will give you the abundant life that I came to give you. But are you willing to let go? Are you willing to Risk it. See, living by faith takes your life to a whole new dimension. You know, my son is um, learning how to swim, and uh, he started with floaties. You ever see that with the kids, the little floaties? And they're real tough when they got their floaties on, right? Got my floaties on. Watch out, right? Well, we did some swimming lessons. They told him to take off his floaties. Oh, you ain't so bad now, are you, son? got your floaties on anymore, huh? So they started, he absolutely hated it. He's crying, doesn't know how to hold his breath. Water's going in his mouth, right? Where's my floaties, dad? Right? And so we, we begin to work with him, begin to work with him. He begins to learn how to go underwater. He begins to learn how to jump off the side and jump in. Right. And now I don't know where he got this, but he'll jump off the side and yell cannonball. 
He's six years old, and he's jumping off the side going cannonball. But you know what? He would never experience what it's like to go underwater and really swim until you take off the floaties. But are you willing to get outside and take off your floaties? And I came to tell you, there are some of you today, in Jesus, you still have your floaties on. You haven't taken that risk. You haven't got outside of your comfort zone. Listen, this applies to every area of your life. If you don't take a risk, even in relationships, to be somebody's friend, to get outside of your comfort zone, you won't have friends. That's why some people don't have friends because they still have their floaties on. They don't want to take the risk. They don't want to say hi. They don't want to get outside of me. But you know what? Then you get real lonely. You get real isolated. You got to take off your floaties. Can you say a good amen? You know, I'm so proud of, uh, many of you don't know the, the story of our church, but there's a lot of people in our church, and this is why we started the church, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of people in our church that are doing things they've never done before. That was one of the reasons why we started Passion Life is because we wanted to reach people, we wanted to teach people, and then we wanted to see people lead. So the message and the mission of our church is reaching, teaching, and leading. So we want to rescue lost people, disciple them, and get them moving in the gifts that God has for them. And there's some people in this room like Stephanie. She was the uh, only female up here on the stage, but you don't know Stephanie. Stephanie is very shy. Stephanie, uh, just very shy, very nice, an amazing woman married to Derek and very organized, but she had a passion in her heart to sing. Well, the challenge if you're going to sing on the worship team is you got to get on the stage, right? We don't have singers behind that curtain over there. No, they're all here. You see them. And you know what's so amazing is that the other day she came to me. We were talking a little bit about worship. This is what she said. She said, I just love it so much. It's just like the passion of my heart. Well, you know what she had to do? She had to take the floaties off. Because until you are never going to experience what real swimming is until you get outside of those floaties. And you know what happens? We get dependent on those things. And you got to get outside of your comfort zone. Faith always involves risk. And faith is always going to take you beyond what's familiar. Are you glad you came to church this morning? What I love about Abraham is that God tells him, go to this new land. You're going to meet new people. And Abraham went. You know, Abraham must have had some parents that really invested in him because Abraham gets up and I mean, he goes immediately. I mean, he's obedient to the Lord. You know, before Abraham left this land that he lived, it was a great land. The Bible says that the city there where he lived on the outskirts, that city was inhabited by what they called the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans there were huge idol worshipers. They worshiped nature. They worshiped the sky, the moon, the trees. They were the first one that said global warming. No, I'm kidding. But they worshiped. And it brought them a lot of problems. But you know what's amazing? That in the midst of all of these people worshiping other gods, Abraham had parents and they were descendants from Noah. And so his parents must have invested in him the things of God. Because Abraham gets up and he goes immediately. Let's read Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, what's interesting is that 
believe it's for the first 75 years of his life, Abraham lived in a tent. He lived in a tent. And it's because he was moving a lot. And the Bible, and God never told Abraham, look, this land is going to be yours. He says this, this land is going to be to your descendants. To your descendants. And God made a promise that he would get Abraham's seed, the land. And here's the second truth I want to tell you today about faith. Abraham would say, faith, when it comes to faith, leave a legacy of faith to your kids. You know what's interesting is that God didn't per say that this land was going to be for Abraham. It said that it was going to be for his descendants. And so today, what Abraham did, his life speaks to us today. How many of you know for us today as parents, it's so important that there's things in life that we have to do, even though we don't want to do, that don't directly affect us, but we do it for our seed. We do it for our kids. We do it for our descendants. And I just, if I could just remind all of us today that are parents, you are the greatest influence in your kids' life. You are. I was a youth pastor for almost 20 years before I became a lead pastor. I don't like to use the word senior pastor, okay? Not yet, all right? Lead pastor. I'm the lead pastor of Passion Life Church. And you know what's so interesting is being as a youth pastor for so many years, parents would come and tell me, you know what? My kid's been coming to your youth group, and they're not changing. They're not this. They're not that. And after a while, the Bible says that we're supposed to speak the truth in love. And I just would look at him and I would say, you know what? They're our youth ministry for an hour and a half on a week. And you come twice a month. So they're literally here for three hours. There are a hundred hours with you at home. Listen, you are the greatest influence in their life. And I'm telling you, my church family, and all the books that I read, for those of us that have teenagers, you're their youth pastor. For those of you that have kids, you're their kids pastor. We come here because we're teaching them to come together. We're teaching them all of our kids' life team. They're in their teaching. But let me just say, it's not our kids' life team responsibility to raise and disciple your kids. Thank you. I got one amen. Now, I'm telling you, you should bring them because... When you bring them, they need to get into the habit of coming together and coming to church. It's so important. But can I just tell you, my, my, my parents, they left a legacy of faith. My dad was a pastor, loved my mom. I have a brother named George. You'll probably meet him. He comes every once in a while, leads worship with us, lives in, 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 in San Diego. And I have a sister named Katie who lives in Dallas. But you know, my dad was a, a pastor of a Hispanic congregation, and him and my mom went through a divorce. He was my pastor. He was what I do as my example, my leader. And they went through a divorce. But one thing they always did, listen, they did many things right. And they did this. And I so appreciate this. Even though they went through a divorce, both of them came to us and said, you know what? We still need to go to the house of God. And my mom told me she's going to go here. My dad's going to go. But they both encouraged us. I know you guys are going through stuff as, as kids, but we still need to run to the house of God. Run to the house of God. And I so appreciated that. And ladies and gentlemen, do you know that today I'm a pastor of a church. My brother's leading worship at another church. My sister lives in Dallas. And we are all three serving in the house of God, even though our family went through a divorce. You know why? Because they left us a legacy of faith, even in their mess ups, even in their failures. They came back to us and say, listen, we messed up, but we need to turn our hearts to God. I thank God that they left us a legacy of faith. Can I just tell you this morning, 
It's not what we leave to our kids, it's what we leave in our kids. I can leave my son a great Corvette when he grows older, but if I don't invest faith in him, I've missed it. Because there's gonna be a day when that Corvette's gonna come and go, may break down, but when I leave faith in his life, I leave him the opportunity to know God and to see God move in his life. Can I hear a good amen? I'm teaching my son that despite what goes on in the world, you have a God who still does miracles. Let's leave a legacy of faith. And you'll see in Abraham's life, Abraham's not the perfect dad. I mean, he's got ups and, his de- and downs. As a matter of fact, him and his wife, Sarah, on this journey start to walk through Egypt. And they walk through Egypt. And Sarah, the Bible says, was a beautiful woman. A beautiful woman. Because they're walking through Egypt. And Abraham says this. Now, this is the father of our faith. He's going to conspire a lie. He says, hey, Sarah, listen. Um, you're beautiful. When we get to Egypt, people are going to hit on you. All right. So why don't we just say that I'm your brother so they don't kill me? Right. So they go to Egypt and the Bible says that Sarah was so beautiful that even the king's servants began to talk about her, went to the king and said, there is this woman that came into Egypt. Now you have to understand she must've been something because the women of Egypt in that time were known throughout history as some of the most beautiful women in the world. So when Sarah walks in and they're talking about her to the king, she must had a little something, something going on. And you know what? They tell the king, the king brings Sarah in and then they find out and he finds out <laughs> that Sarah's married to Abraham. God deals with the king. And what's interesting is here is the father of our faith. And what is he doing? He's lying. So now they've come out of Egypt and they're waiting. God has promised Abraham a son. God has promised him that he would have right, all of these nations underneath him, but yet he doesn't have one son. And so he's believing that God is going to give him a son. Time has passed. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 3. It says, And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Here's this promise that a son would come from Abraham and Sarah. Verse 5. And so he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, you so shall be your offering, offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him for righteousness. Abraham sitting in this tent, right? He just lied to get through Egypt. He's sitting there and he doesn't see the promise of God coming past. He's got this promise that nations, descendants are going to come through him and they're all going to be blessed by him. Yet he doesn't have one son. And here's what God does. God speaks to Abraham and says this, Abraham, get outside of your tent and go look up at the stars. How many of you know that God at times in our lives has to change our perspective? Because you could sit in a tent and sulk and here's what God tells Abraham. Abraham, come on, look up. Look up, Passion Life Church. Look up. I know you're looking at your circumstance, but look up. And here's the third truth that I've known about faith. Faith sees the promise through the problem. 
Faith will always see the promise through the problem. Here he is. He's going, I'm getting older. I'm supposed to have kids. There's no pills for this today. Come on, somebody. My equipment is not working. Do I need to go any further with this illustration? I do not. You understand. The Bible says that Sarah's womb was dead. Dead. And he's sitting there and he's soaking. And God says, get out from your tent. Would you start looking up? Look at the stars and start to count the stars, even if you can count them. Because when you look up, you are going to see that's how many descendants that I have. And can I just tell you, sometimes what we need in our life is a godly perspective. Goliath is not that big compared to God. When David walked up to Goliath, everybody's like, oh, Goliath's so big. Oh, my gosh, he's so big. And David looks at the size of God and looks at the giant Goliath. And David says... The real giant is on my side, and his name is God. This guy is nothing compared to my God. It's all about perspective. David, a man of faith, saw the promise. I'll kill this guy through the problem. You know what I had to do? I've had to redefine my problems. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? Yeah, I don't call them problems. I call them opportunities. Every problem I have is an opportunity for God to show a miracle in my life. Every time I'm attacked with sickness, I'm like, all right, devil, what you did is you just gave me an opportunity to see God's power in my life. You're going to come against me hard. All right. You know what? This is not a problem. This is an opportunity to see God's power and his miracle. But you know what? You're going to have to change your perspective. And I got a good word for you this morning. Your problem is not bigger than God's promise. I can tell you a promise for every problem that you have. But here's my question. Are you looking at the problem or are you looking at the promise? If you look at the problem, you're going to get depressed. You're going to get upset. But here's what we do, my church family. You choose what you magnify in your life. You can magnify the problems in your life. You can turn a molehill into a mountain in your mind. And you can turn your problems and make them huge. Or you know what? You can take God's promise and magnify them in your life and focus on God's promises that he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I may have a lot of needs, but God will supply. I may be sick, but you know what? I thank God that by his stripes, I was healed 2000 years ago. Jesus bore the stripes on his back so I could be healed. What are you going to talk about? What are you going to magnify? Oh, I'm in so much pain, 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 pain. Listen, the promise is bigger than your pain. Come on, somebody. If you don't amen me, I'm going to amen myself. Come on, Pastor Phil, preach it. Tell me the truth. Don't hold back. Come on. What are you magnifying? Nobody loves me. Would you shut up? God loves you. But you're not looking at him. Look up. Nobody cares about me. Would you be quiet? Would you just tell it? Sometimes I have to tell myself, shut up, Phil. Shut up. And start magnifying. <laughs> None of you tell yourself. No, I only tell other people to shut up. Well, sometimes you need to tell yourself. Because some of the things that we think in are magnifying the wrong things. But can I just say, you may be here and you may be waiting on God's promise. And you're like, Phil, all I can see is problems. Well, come on, change that perspective. You know, delay is not God's denial. Just because you haven't experienced it yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You could wake up tomorrow and the miracle can happen. Delay is not denial. 
Now, here's what's interesting about you and me as Christians is the Bible says I am not to walk by sight. I am to walk by faith. When I am looking at solely at my problems, I am walking by mere sight. Why is this important? I'm going to tell you why this is important. It doesn't take faith to point out problems. It doesn't take a supernatural prophecy of God to point out your problems. It doesn't take faith. That is pure sight. Now, here's the challenge for you and I. If we just walk in pure sight, we're not walking in the supernatural life that God has for us. We're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. And we may see things and go, oh my goodness, this is so much. But the Bible says you are only living in one realm when you walk by sight. There is another level. There is another dimension. This year before December, we're going to go into the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Because you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, pray, our Father which art in heaven. Listen to this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name right? Thy kingdom, listen to this, thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in what? Heaven. So Jesus said that I can pray that I can have heaven on earth, right? So that means there's an earthly realm, but there's also a heavenly realm. And what's separating the heavenly realm from the earthly realm, one word, is And so if I can look and walk by faith, I can experience the dimension that God has for me, even though I live on earth. Come on, this is a good word. But if I'm just looking at earthly things and I don't look up and see godly things, I will only live in a natural dimension. And you and I, here's the challenge for us. We're supernatural people. God lives on the inside of us and we here we are living one dimensional lives and God's like it's multi-dimensional come on I want to put my super on your natural but you're going to have to have some faith and look at my promises there's not a problem that is bigger than God's promises are you still breathing this morning sometimes you're going to have to redefine it you know the Bible says that without faith you can't even please God And so many of us as Christians today, we only live in the sight realm. Yet faith is all about what you can't see. Faith is all about what you can't see. Now I'm supposed to live by faith, not by sight. So I'm supposed to live in a world that's visible, but live by what's invisible. I'm not trying to confuse you today, but this is the life, ladies and gentlemen, that we live. And the Bible says, without faith, I cannot even have access to God. Your works don't access God. Your faith does. Your faith accesses God. And since faith accesses God, when I'm just living by what I see, I'm not accessing God's realm. So I want you to listen to this statement I put in my notes. So it's through faith that takes what's invisible in an earthly realm and makes it visible. I take the heavenly realm and bring it to earth by faith. Faith in God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I need faith for what? The things that I don't see. So once I see it, I don't need faith for it. When I was believing for my wife, oh, God, send me a wife. Oh, God. And I had a list, right? There was like four and a half things. And I would pray him, Lord, send me a wife. How many of you know when my wife showed up and she was all four of those things and she showed up, I didn't need faith for a wife anymore. Why? Because now the invisible came visible. 
So faith is always about the invisible. Well, Lord, I feel I just don't see my healing. Well, then you need faith for healing. But once you healed and you believe that and you experience that manifestation, you don't need faith for that anymore. And you know what's amazing is that my wife had a list. I had a list of about four or five things. She had a list of 60 things. Come on, somebody. And have some faith when I tell you this next statement. She said, I was all 60 of those things. Come on. I still don't know what they were, but I was them. I don't know what. Come on, say, have faith. Tell your neighbor just real quick. Say, have some faith on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you can experience a little bit more of heaven on earth? How many think our nation needs a little more heaven on earth? It's faith. It's faith. And guess what? Here is Abraham believing and still times passing. There's no kid. So now Sarah has a bright idea. She has a bright idea. And I want to read this, this little scripture because you may think I'm making this up if you've never heard this story before. I never take for granted that people have heard these, this story before. I was talking to a gentleman this, this week who goes to church, and I was talking about the story of Abraham. And I said, do you know the story of Abraham? He said, I don't know the story of Abraham. So that's why I like to read this because you're going to think that I'm making this up. But Sarah comes up with this bright idea, okay? So Abraham lied, right, to protect himself. Now here's Sarah. She's going to come up with a bright idea in Genesis chapter 16, verse 2. She says this to Abraham. So Abraham, she said, she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now she's going a little cray-cray. You know why I know this? It was God's promise to give her a child. Now listen, listen to what she's saying. God has kept me from having children. Now listen to what he t- she tells Abraham. Go sleep with my maid or go sleep with my slave. They had slaves back then. They had maids back then. And Sarah's like, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. What is wrong with you, girl? Now look at Abraham's response. Abraham agreed to do what Sarah said. Notice, Abraham didn't say, honey, let me pray about this. Abraham said, okay, honey, if you want me to, I'll do it. So the father of our faith lied. The mother of our faith is conspiring in adulterous things. Ladies and gentlemen, come on. If you would just read your Bible, your Bible is way better than those televenas that you watch on Telemundo. Come on, somebody. Don't pretend like you don't watch them. Just read your Bible. And here's what Abraham would say, number four, the fourth truth about our faith. Abraham would say faith and patience work together. Now, I know I'm not going to get people shouting me down when I talk about patience. Yeah, Pastor Phil, I love patience. Preach about patience. Nobody ever says that. As a matter of fact, we pray, God, I want patience, and I want it now. It doesn't work that way. And I think if Abraham could come back, he would say, you know what? Faith and patience work together. I I thought about this when I was putting this together. I thought, well, how does really impatience hurt our lives? Can impatience... Not being patient hurt our lives? Absolutely. Can I give you an example? How about you pull out into traffic too quick? Mm, could use a little more patience. You in the church world for a while? Maybe you know some friends. How about getting married too early just because you want to get married? It has nothing to do about love. I don't love him. I just love love. I just love, I just want to be married. You don't even care about who? No, I just want to be married. And then a month later, right? 
What did I? You were impatient. Did I marry the right one? Well, he's with you. He's the right one now. You made a covenant. I know people like that. They'll just date. Not because they love people or that person. I just want to get married. I had one of those almost, almost try to do that to me. I said, heck no. I want you to love me for me. Do you have a list? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Patience. People buy houses. They don't have the money to buy it. And they overextend their finances. Why? Just because they weren't patient. Well, it got quiet on that one. And Abraham would take matters into his own hands and go in with Hagar and have a child. And if you know anything about the history, his name would be Ishmael. Ishmael's descendants would be the Arab nation. The chosen son that God had from Abraham would be Isaac, and they would become Israel, which is modern-day Israel. And ladies and gentlemen, because of Abraham's little rendezvous, Israel and the Arabs are still all fighting together. Those two kids are still fighting with each other. They still are. And Isaac would be born. But listen to what the Bible says about patience. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, we do not want to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what God has promised. James chapter 1, verse 4 says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. See, what does the word patience mean here? The word patience means to be steadfast, to be immovable or unmovable. Another definition of patience, listen to this. It says to remain constant. He says that the trying of your faith, the Bible tells us, works patience to be immovable. So God says this, look, when you have faith, I want you to be constant, immovable. If things don't happen the way you think they're going to happen, be patient. Because you know what? Even that, when you feel like your faith is tried, know this, it's working patience. You're becoming mature. God doesn't want you just to have faith, but he wants you to be mature. Why? So you don't make the mistakes that Abraham did and do something in your own will that wasn't God's will. But let me say this, and if you're taking notes, please write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Faith in God also requires faith in God's timing. God has a timing for everything. God has a timing. It was at 100 years old that Isaac would be born to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah's womb was dead. Abraham was 100. And the promise that God gave Abraham would come true. My church family, the most fascinating part of this whole message in Abraham's life, God told him that to count the stars, and he said, even if you can try to count all of them, do you know that Abraham would not see the fullness of that promise? I said all of everything that I said today in this message to get to this closure. This is my favorite part of the message that many people do not know about. You know, the promise made to Abraham is still happening today. I want you to look at this scripture. You can draw it down. Paul writes about Abraham in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. Listen what he says. If you belong to Christ, how many of us belong to Christ? How many of you said a prayer, invited Jesus? Let me see your hand. So say, that's me. That's me. 
So if you belong to Christ, I'm going to say, if you belong to Christ, I want you to say, that's me. If you belong to Christ, that's me. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And listen to this. And heirs according to, I, I highlighted those two words. You and I are heir to the promise. Okay, so here's the question. Okay, I'm not trying to trick you. This is an open Bible test. What is the promise? Come on, if anybody knows this, you get a lollipop after church. Do you know what the promise is? What is the promise that God made to Abraham? The promise that God made to Abraham is this. I will bless you so you can be a blessing. That's the promise that God made to Abraham. So when I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I belong to Christ. I become a part of Abraham's seed because I am a part of Abraham's seed. Now I am an heir to that promise. And the Bible calls it the promise. The promise is that God will bless you. Why? So you can be a blessing to others. I don't have to sit up every morning and say, God, please bless me. You and I are an heir of Abraham's seed. Today, when people receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior at the end of service, you become a child of God, but you also become an heir of Abraham. It's fascinating that today even God's promise is true if you'll have faith. And here's what Abraham would say, number five, as we close. Abraham would say about faith, God is always right. He's always right. I know it was 100 years, but it happened. It's still happening today. God just needed one man by the name of Abraham. And all the Chaldeans were worshiping other gods. Listen, God doesn't need a whole group of people. He just needs one person. Listen, God doesn't need Billy Graham to go to your work. He just needs you. You are a hero today. Ladies and gentlemen, our father Abraham, our great, 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 great grandfather of faith is a hero. You're a hero too. And through Abraham, the Bible says, all of the nations would be blessed, including you. And what we've done in this series as we closed, I said that each hero would have just some closing words. This for me is my favorite part. This is what Abraham would say in his closing words. It was my faith, my faith in God, not faith in me, not faith in things, my faith in God that made me righteous. Are you ready for these last two minutes? This is the best Romans chapter four, verse 19. We saw firsthand Abraham and Sarah's scandalous life. Lying, committing adultery. When you flip over to the New Testament, I want you to hear this. Paul in Romans starts to define Abraham, our hero. Look how Paul writes about Abraham in Romans chapter four, verse 19. Talking about Abraham, look what he says. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as death since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was dead. So 
faith faces the fact. It doesn't focus on the fact. It doesn't deny the fact. But faith focuses on God, even though the facts are contrary. It says that Abraham faced the fact. Now listen, here's what I love. Verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Verse 22. This is why for Abraham it was credited to him as righteousness. Listen to this. Does that sound like the guy that we read about in the Old Testament? It did not mention any of his failures. It did not mention any of his mess ups. Do you know why that is? I couldn't figure this out until I understood that there is an old covenant and that there is a new covenant. Under the old covenant, the Bible says in the Old Testament that God will remember your sins to the third and fourth generation. But in the new covenant, once Jesus dies, the Bible says that God will remember your sins no more. So in the New Testament, when we look back at Abraham, all of his mistakes, come on somebody, all of his failures are not even seen in God. Only his successes. Why? Because when God looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. Not your sin. He sees forgiveness. And the Bible says in the new covenant, he remembers your sin no more. Pastor Phil, why is this so relevant to me? It's so relevant because so many times we disqualify ourselves from being a hero because of our mistakes and our failures. And yet the Bible is full of people with mistakes and failures. Yet when God looks at them, he sees none of those. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And today as we write the histories of our life, you've made mistakes and I've made mistakes. There's not one perfect person in this room, but I'm gonna tell you what, when God looks at your life and he defines your life, he doesn't define your life by a mistake. He doesn't define your life by failures. He defines your life by faith in him. Abraham was the only person in the Old Testament before the law that believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. My righteousness from God comes from my faith in God, not my works. Wasn't faith a work, Pastor Phil? No. Your works are a result of your faith. It's a result of your faith. Faith isn't a work. I'm not saved by faith. I mean, I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by faith. But once I'm saved, I'm excited about coming to church. I'm excited about serving. I have works. Why? Because I have faith. And I'm telling you today, for those of us that continue to rehearse our failures, that continue to rehearse our sins, God is not doing that. You are. Because under the new covenant, you are forgiven. And it is all covered by the blood of Jesus. Can you give him a great round of applause? And that means you are a hero. You can be a hero and don't let your past define you. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 